Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert-led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at questnaturetours.com. And Udio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Udiobooks.com. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to our show, number 943. It's kind of a rare bird sightings edition of Talking Birds, thanks in part to a rarity report from our friends at the Birding Community eBulletin, and thanks in part to some Talking Birds listeners who've alerted us to two other rare sightings. The eBulletin report is about a species called the large-billed tern, a South American bird of freshwater lakes and rivers that until now had been sighted anywhere in North America only three times. And now two sightings of maybe two individual birds reported in Brevard County, Florida, and Collier County, in Collier County, Florida. The e-bulletin, by the way, is a free publication loaded with all kinds of great info about birds and birding and conservation. You can do a Google search for Birding Community e-bulletin to find it. And the Talking Birds listener-generated alert is about a bird from almost as far south as that large-billed tern, It's shown up way north of its normal stomping grounds, and we'll talk about that bird in today's featured Feathered Friends segment. If you've been listening to our show for a while, you've heard some audio postcards, first from our Freya McGregor and then added to by many Talking Birds listeners, including Linda Schwartz, a.k.a. Muffy. She's from Baltimore, but she's on the road well to the north. Good morning, Ray and fellow birders. This is Muffy, and I am in the Shiawassee National Wildlife Refuge, um, close to Saginaw, Michigan. It's a busy, busy day here for the birds. I believe there's a red wing blackbird convention going on, um, because they have all gathered here. Additionally, I've seen um, a female belted kingfisher, quite a few egrets. There's a woodpecker somewhere nearby because I can hear it if not see it. Um, Let's see what else we've got here. Tree swallows and robins, um, but definitely, definitely lots of red-winged blackbirds. So... I'm hoping that you're having a good birding day, and I'm going to continue mine. Signing off. All right. Thank you, Muffy, uh, who added in a little extra thing here. She said, after I recorded this tidbit, I saw several families of wood ducks, plus an eagle, a northern flicker, a kingbird, and a prothonotary warbler. Thank you, Muffy. Please keep those audio postcards coming, folks. To make one, just go out and look at some birds and record a little narration on your phone as you observe them. Make a little digital file and send it to ray at talkingbirds.com. That's ray at talkingbirds.com. Pretty cool sounding bird there, so we've made it our mystery bird in our mystery bird contest. 
coming along a bit later. We give the clues and such now to get you ready for that contest near the end of the show. Our mystery bird is a small bird about five inches in length and kind of secretive in shrubby habitats. Its upper parts are olive green, and it has yellow flanks, yellow spectacles, a white throat, two white wing bars, and white eyes. Our bird, which feeds mostly on insects in nesting season and adds some fruit in the winter, breeds over much of the eastern half of the U.S. and winters in the southeastern states and down into Mexico and the Caribbean. It's our mystery bird. We have lovely prizes, including a $15 gift certificate for Beautio Books, home of one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. And something delicious as well, a month's supply of delicious Super Seed crackers from the folks at Mary's Gone Crackers, all on our Mystery Bird Contest. Coming along in a little while. A salute here to more of our Talking Birds ambassadors, listeners who have stepped up and decided to help us spread the word about birds and conservation, which is what we're trying to do here. And we want to say thanks to Gino Ellison from Linfield, Massachusetts. Gino is an awesome and intrepid birder, and he also hosts a wonderful Birds and Brews event in beautiful Newburyport, Massachusetts. Thank you, Gino, and thank you to Leslie Andrich from Rubicon, Wisconsin. She says, I've been listening to your podcast for years, recommending it to fellow birders, and decided to take the next step and become and ambassador. Thank you so much, Leslie. And she also sent us an audio postcard, which we'll be hearing soon. We hope you'll join our ambassadors family, Talking Birds listeners. Really easy to do. Just go to the Get Involved tab at talkingbirds.com and take it from there. Very easy to do and easy to become an ambassador. We'll just send you some of our little info cards for you to hand out to friends and neighbors at your convenience. Still to come today, While most birds can fly across roadways they encounter, we know that other wild creatures cannot, resulting in high mortality rates for millions of them, and birds are included in this, too. On today's show, our special guest, Susan Holmes from Environment America, will tell us what her organization is trying to do about it through a great new federal program. Also today, Mike O'Connor from Cape Cod's famous Birdwatchers General Store, may finally clear up some woodpecker identification issues when we present a Let's Ask Mike live segment that we call Downy versus Harry. That's right. And up, up next, uh, a bird that's causing a lot of talk and a lot of looking in a couple of very unexpected places is today's featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine for more than a quarter century, Birdwatching as North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. This week's featured feathered friend is a big tropical wading bird with a long neck, brownish plumage with white spotting, a heavy yellowish bill, and a piercing scream. It's the limpkin. If you'd like to see this bird here in the U.S., you generally want to visit Florida. But some folks who've stayed well north of the Sunshine State this hot summer have gotten to see the bird anyway, because this very southern waiter has been spotted this week in Pennsylvania and Ohio. This past Saturday, the limpkin was discovered at Middle Creek Wildlife Management Area 
in Clay Township, Pennsylvania. It's the first Limpkin ever reported in the state. Meanwhile, as told to us by Talking Birds Ambassador Brian Harris from Avon Lake, Ohio, what seems to be a second Limpkin has been viewed many times this week at a place called Gable Creek in the Coff Family Reservation, right there in Avon Lake on the shores of Lake Erie. Not the first Limpkin ever in Ohio, but very rare indeed. Brian is going to try to get us some photos that we can post. Thanks, Brian. And thanks to Willie Miller. She's down in Vero Beach, Florida, but she let us know about a friend of hers who's among those spotting that Pennsylvania limkin. Thank you, Willie. Ted Nichols, president of Pennsylvania's Lancaster County Bird Club, described hearing about the limkin this way, quote, it was sort of like a Christmas morning. I had seen this message and it's like, well, I'm not going back to bed after this, end quote. It's today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend, making a rare appearance in Ohio and offering the first sighting on record in Pennsylvania, Aramos Guarana, the Limpkin. Welcome again to our show, number 933. I think that's, I'm losing track of the number of the show lately, but I'm pretty sure we have that right, number 943. Well, here are some shocking statistics about what's happening to much of our wildlife. Motorists kill more than one million large animals a year on U.S. roads, roughly one every 26 seconds. These accidents also kill more than 200 people and injure another 26,000 each year. Those statistics in that quote come from our special guest on today's show. She's Susan Holmes, Director of Environment America's Save America's Wildlife Campaign. And she joins us now to tell us what's being done to address the problem. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Ray, and thanks so much for that kind introduction. It's great to join you and all your listeners um, today. And uh, as you said, those statistics are shocking and sad. And we know roads are a huge problem for our wildlife. Today, one in five species are at risk of extinction, and over 20% of birds are also uh, at risk of extinction as well. So uh, roads are fragmenting habitat, making it difficult for wildlife to migrate, find foods, food, baits, and adapt to climate change. So roads are a huge problem. Um, But we know that there's some good news, and that's uh, what I'm here to talk to you about today. Um, Tucked away into the huge multi-billion dollar bipartisan infrastructure infrastructure package is the very first dedicated funding for wildlife crossings. So we now have money to build crossings to help wildlife um, cross the roads and to reconnect and restitch up the habitat that they need in face of climate change. So when you talk about restitching, that's kind of a big part of of why birds are um, so involved in this. Of course, birds get hit by cars in enormous numbers as well. But that stitching up of the habitat is so important. And of course, loss of habitat, such an important uh, problem for birds and other animals as well. So this is a lot more than just saving animals from crossing the roads, although that's obviously a, the biggest uh, part of it. But that, that, that habitat thing is um, so, so important uh, as well. 
And we could add, too, so many birds killed because they're feeding on carcasses of animals killed in the road. So this can help with that as well. Absolutely. I was. I wanted to underscore how important this is going to be for for birds as well as for a whole range of wildlife. Um, collisions with vehicles are among the top five reasons that uh, birds are are dying today, mm-hmm. and particularly scavengers like golden eagles and ravens and and owls that forage at the same height as cars are particularly vulnerable, as well as water birds. Um, mm-hmm. Think about make way for ducklings. Um, <laughs> they need to access the water and cross with their young. And so um, birds are going to be uh, especially benefited by this, as well as the need to have more resilient, more biodiverse habitat. And as you said, it's going to be stitching up those fragmented pieces and making our ecosystems much more whole and functional. So this money coming along, part of the bipartisan infrastructure law, will provide, if I have this right, $350 million to states, and then states kick in what percentage uh, for their part? Yeah, usually states are going to be expected to kick in about 20% of the funding. But this money, this is, as I said, it's the first time this has happened. It's a pilot program. You know, it's a tiny part of this multi-billion dollar bipartisan package, but it's so, so important. Um, states are going to be competing for this money. There's The first deadline is coming up on August 1 for over $100 million, and we want all states to apply for this money. If you're a little state or you know a big state, if you're blue or you're red, this is a really bipartisan issue. And if you're just starting to think about wildlife crossings, there are non-construction dollars available for states to do the research, to figure out where to put the crossings. And for those states, that are further along, like California and Florida and, and Colorado, there's money there for the actual construction. So it's a new program. We want it to be wildly successful, and we're really hopeful it will be. People hear about wildlife crossings, and they maybe picture this, and they know that animals you know, cross where they will and wonder, well, how, how do you get them to use these crossings? Is, it, is, that, a, is that a problem? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, you know, we have a lot of a lot more information than we did, you know, a few years ago about wildlife um, through the technology we have. We have um, camera traps, we have radio coloring, we have lots of science to tell us um, more, to give us more data. And all of that data shows that wildlife crossings are just wildly successful. Um, one of the important things with wildlife crossings is to pair them with fencing and the fencing will funnel the animals over the crossings. Um, and so it's really wildlife uh, crossings with the, that paired fencing. There's really sort of a magic combination that gets us to numbers like 90% or 97% effective in reducing uh, um, animal vehicle mortality. So it's, it's, it's a really good question. And um, yeah, we've got a lot of good data that shows that it works. So this uh, bar- bipartisan effort is, again, as part of the infrastructure law, seems pretty non-controversial, kind of hard to picture what would be a reason for someone to be opposed to this, but I think people are opposed to everything at some level, or some some percentage of people are. What about in this case? Are there is that a big issue? Well, you know, it's been incredibly popular across the political spectrum. I mean, um, uh, President Trump's uh, Secretary of Interior, um, Secretary Zinke, was very involved and excited about this, and as is the Biden administration. So, you know, both the last administration, the current one, and then in red states and and blue states, I think a lot of the reason that um, uh, uh, the... uh, 
Republicans have been so involved in this and so supportive is because a lot of the um, sportsmen and um, wildlife that are, are hunted are also impacted by this. Migratory mule deer and pronghorn um, are all really important long migratory ungulates that need to get around. And uh, and the Republicans have been very excited about opportunities to, to do um, work to protect those species. So it's been a, a, a generally, you know, we don't have a lot of, of pushback. I think initially, you know, 25 years ago, when the first wildlife crossings were built over the Trans-Canada Highway in um, in Banff National Park, people worried, you know, are we spending a lot of money? Is this not going to be successful? But we've got 25 years of data and a huge range of wildlife from wolverines and lynx and grizzlies. And, and in Canada, um, one of those crossings was even uh, designed for the harlequin duck uh, movement. So we've got a lot of data now and I think, you know, really largely non-controversial. And you're reaching out to all these states. And what about for the average citizen just want to find out more about this, to understand it and, and maybe help advocate for it? What, what should folks do? Sure. We we would love uh, citizens to get involved in this effort. You know, find out about what's going on in your state. Are there, is your state involved in this? Um, are, are they starting to build wildlife crossings? You may know of some or you may wonder. And um, we'd love to help you out. Obviously, we have a website. Um, it's a, a www.environmentamerica.com. Org, and you can certainly visit that or talk to me. Um, but what we really would like people to do is tell their governors, tell their local um, governments that uh, they should be applying for this money, that if they are not, they're leaving money on the table. This is um, money, small grants, as small as $200,000 and larger multi-million dollar grants. We want everyone to apply for this money and uh, yeah, get, in, get involved, find out more about this. You know, we all have seen wildlife killed on the road. It's tragic. Um, it really uh, is a story that needs to start to change. Um, and it's a great time for uh, for all that. Indeed. Susan Holmes is the director of Environment Americas. Save America's wildlife campaign. Her areas of expertise include legislation and policies for the protection of wildlife corridors, endangered species, and landscape Connectivity, and she's a recipient of the Nelson A. Rockefeller Distinguished Public Service Award. Susan, good luck pushing this wonderful program forward, and thanks for your important work. Well, thank you, and um, I, I hope that all your listeners will get involved with this effort. It's a really important one. Thanks. Indeed. Susan Holmes here on Talking Birds, and up next, it's our Mystery Bird Contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight, you don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more, or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. Can we hear that louder? Let's hear it louder. 
That's our mystery bird. We'll do the contest here, and if we have time, we'll do a bonus question as well. Our mystery bird is a small bird about five inches in length. It's a secretive bird of shrubby habitats. Its upper parts are olive green. It has yellow flanks, yellow spectacles, a white throat, two white wing bars, and white eyes. Our bird, which feeds mostly on insects in nesting season and some fruit in the winter, added in, breeds over much of the eastern half of the U.S., and winters in the southeastern states and down into Mexico and the Caribbean. Clues there in the sound of our mystery bird and beautiful prizes await from Beautio Books and Mary's Gone Crackers, a big month's supply of those delicious super seed crackers and a $15 Beautio Books gift certificates. That's one of the biggest selections of birding books in the world there, Beautio Books. And here's the all-important phone number and the urging to call as soon as you can, so we'll have time. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. That's 781-837-4900. If you don't get the right answer, you could still win if nobody does get it right. 781-837-4900 is the number. Meanwhile, we'll check in with Mike O'Connor, who'll solve an identification issue for us or make a good try at it. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Have you ever dreamed of owning a bookstore? Beauty of Books, a fixture in the birding community for over 50 years, is for sale. With our unique blend of high-tech and old-fashioned customer service, Beauty of Books has remained successful and strong. This thriving business offers the largest selection of new, used, and rare bird books in the world and needs only a new owner who's passionate about birds and books. If you or someone you know would like more information, contact us at customerservice at beautyobooks.com. Thanks. Quest Nature Tours has offered exceptional tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. In 2023, join us in search of colorful bird life and jaguars in Brazil or on our brand new Zambia Safari. See amazing wildlife and explore habitats with travel companions who truly enjoy nature. Talkin' Birds listeners receive a $150 credit towards their first tour. Visit QuestNatureTours.com today. Birds and much more. Guaranteed. It's the question of the ages. How do you tell a downy woodpecker from a hairy woodpecker? Men have been trying to figure this out, and women as well, for a long time. And guess who's figured it out? Of course, Mike O'Connor has done it, and he is here to tell us how it all works. Good morning, Mike. Oh, yeah, I cracked the code, Ray. I cracked yeah. the code. Son of a gun. The one and, I think, and, I know they say is downy is dinky and hairy is huge. I just always uh, remember that. Look that's, at that. I'm done. That's, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> There's more to it, though, right? Yeah, there's yeah. more to it. As a matter of fact, a friend of mine um, who is a well-known photographer and traveled around the world with uh, National Geographic uh, doing their photography posted this beautiful picture of a hairy woodpecker in flight, and he was telling people how he got this great photo using a strobe light and blah, blah, blah. The only trouble was it was a downy woodpecker that I noticed. <laughs> Yeah, so there, there you go. And, and the way, in this case, in a photograph, especially in flight, these two woodpeckers have white edging along their tail, white tail feathers along the edge. And this is hard to see in most situations, but the downy has black spots on the edge of his tail where the hairy is mostly white. But that's, that's a rare thing that you can see that. But for the most of us, we should pay attention like all birds that you see pay attention to the beak the beak gives the bird away more than anything and in this case the downy woodpecker 
that I'm going to watch my Massachusetts accent the best I can here. Woodpecker is um, is a really dinky beak, really small. It's not. It's about a third the size of the bird's head. It's just a little tiny beak where the where the hairy has beak is, is nearly as long as its head. It's a big, heavy-duty woodpecker-looking beak. So if you see a bird with a little dinky beak. It's going to be a downy. The plumages are roughly the same. Forget about those spots that I mentioned. But the plumages are the same, but the beak is, is much larger. Harries are, act like woodpeckers. They land on big trees. They hammer on big trees. They go to thick branches. Downies act like a songbird. They'll go to the trees also, but they'll, they'll also land on little plant stalks or cattail stalks or thin outer branches. Again, they act more like a little bird, and they are little birds. The size is tremendous difference. Downy woodpeckers are basically not much bigger than some sparrows or smaller than some sparrows, about the size, barely the size of a uh, tufted titmouse, where the hairies are bigger, they're more robust, about the size, nearly the size of a robin. So the, the difference is pretty noticeable. They don't have to be side by side as everybody wants to think oh well they're going to be side. no yeah. just if you see a bird that looks like size of a robin with a big woodpecker beak it's going to be a hairy woodpecker mm-hmm. and the abundance these birds everybody should know because they cover the continent the whole continent everybody gets these birds the downy's a little bit more common and especially more common in our backyards mm-hmm. they like young trees they like newly developed areas They're the first to move in where the hairy's like older older trees so if you see a bird at your, at your feeder and it's got a big, thick bill, hairy. Don't have to look for the spots. Don't have to look for anything else. And the last thing I want to point out at this time of year is these birds, there's a lot of babies around. And as you know, um, downies, especially the males, and hairies have that red patch on the back of their head. All my customers tell it, oh, I got a red-headed woodpecker. Anytime they see red, they automatically call it a red-headed woodpecker. But in this case, they have that red patch at the back. But the babies... The first year, fledgling, the juveniles that have just hatched this year, the patch, for some uh, evolutionary reason, have it on their forehead, and it kind of weirds people out. That's just a young one. Look for the thick bill and look for the woodpecker behavior. Go ahead, Ray. Okay. Which is the bigger one again? (laughs) I don't know. I I think I got it. (laughs) Thank you, Mike. All right. Talk to you next week. Mike O'Connor at the famous Birdwatchers uh, General Store on Cape Cod. And uh, meanwhile, we're, boy, we don't have much time, but we do have our mystery bird contest to get uh, back to here to try to identify this mystery bird. And Dottie is out there in Hanover, Massachusetts. Good morning, Dottie. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. What do you think, uh, Dottie? You heard our mystery bird there? What do you think it is? Yes, I think it's the white-eyed vireo. Wow, you are absolutely correct. <laughs> Beautiful. White-eyed vireo. Exactly right. Nice nice job there, the white-eyed vireo. I'm looking at the, uh, even though we were almost out of time, you were so quick there and so efficient, Dottie. We have time for a bonus question if you'd like to try it. Sure. In Britain, King Charles has taken some action to help reduce royal greenhouse gas emissions. What is that action? A, he switched all royal vehicles to electric power. B, he's ordered thermostat settings to be lowered at all royal homes. C, he's ordered all gas stoves to be removed from royal properties. Or D, he's told the feuding royal family members to lower their carbon dioxide output by shutting up for a while. 
choices. Not a bird question, but a conservation question. And uh, Dottie, what do you think? Electric cars? Electric cars. Actually, no, I think that would be a terrific idea, but he's actually ordered thermostat settings to be lowered at all royal homes. Oh, okay. (laughs) Although we don't have to lower thermostats as much as we used to, unfortunately, it seems like any place in the world, mostly. Dottie, thank you so much. You are the winner of those uh, prizes we described, and we'll turn you over to Jesse, who will arrange to get them to you. Thank you very much, Ray. We love your show. Thank you so much, Dottie. That's Dottie correctly identifying the white-eyed vireo as our mystery bird, and we are plumb out of time for this morning's show. We're getting to work on our next show. A quick mention of WCRI in Rhode Island uh, at uh, 95.9 there. Uh, Mike Mayno was kind enough to interview yours truly for their conservation show. Sorry, their conducting conversations show. You can hear it, um, well, if you're listening live uh, next week, Sunday evening, July 23rd, 7 p.m., or you can listen to it anytime through their website. That's WCRI in Rhode Island. That's it for this week. Thanks for being with us, and see you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert-led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at questnaturetours.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com.